lumière du cinéma se reflète partout. La foule sort, se disperse. Reste deux femmes et un parapluie. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Poetry to Your Ears podcast. I'm your co-host Lulu. I'm Tom. We are so delighted today to have with us Afro the Poet. Afro the Poet is a black woman poet from Brighton. She is known for bringing black poets together from the city, especially of marginalized genders. And her work focuses on race, gender and mental health. And without further ado, we bring you Afro the Poet. Afro the Poet is a very well-known poet in Brighton. Every person I talk to uh, knows you, so you can be proud of that. <laughs> oh, wow. Every person. Wow. Um, yeah, and then I said, oh, I'm going to interview Afro the Poet, or I did an article about Afro the Poet. So for context, um, I did an article about you for the Bachelor uh, Sussex University student newspaper. So I think we're going to repeat maybe certain things and expand other things. Oh, and that's okay. It was great chatting to you the first time. So yeah, sure it's going to be great this time. And uh, we're so happy to have you on the podcast. And thank you for agreeing to meet um, a second time. <laughs> oh, no, thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Um, so we're on Zoom for context, um, if the audio sounds different, uh, but both in Brighton. We're all in Brighton at the moment. <laughs> all in Brighton, all in Brighton. Just feeling a bit sniffly today. Wanted to protect you from uh, from the sniffles. So. <laughs> are, you, are you from Brighton originally? Uh, no, I'm from Oxfordshire originally. I'm from a town called Whitney, which is actually... Or was uh, David Cameron's constituency right. when I lived there. So very different to Brighton. <laughs> I moved to Brighton uh, just over 10 years ago and have been here ever since. And uh, you, oh, okay, so you've been here the whole time. Yeah, yeah, I found it quite hard to leave. Um, really like this little city by the sea. Mm. Well, have you been tempted to move to London at any point? Um, oh, London really scares me, you know, like I, I feel my body feels entirely different when I'm in London, just with the like the big buildings yeah. around. I know that like I it's not big way. buildings everywhere, but like, yeah, London's also really big. Mm. And like, especially compared to Brighton, where you can get around everywhere, mostly on foot, like I just find it a bit overwhelming and makes me feel really small. So it's nice to visit you went to London though for a poetry night recently right yeah yeah I had um had two London gigs in one week which is very unusual because uh they were some of my first London gigs um yeah it was great to be in a new space and around new people um because as you say yeah I guess like on Brighton's poetry scene quite a few people do uh, know me um, and so it was nice to kind of be in a room where I know probably only two people have heard my stuff and to kind of get new feedback because it's been a hard winter to write poems I don't know if you felt the same I've <laughs> uh, been finding the creative expression a bit tricky recently mm. I think you may have found it the opposite in fact well I forced myself to write in December 
to write <gasps> one poem. So it was like some kind of but competition. Yeah, right? so I've done that in December. But since then, I maybe wrote like two poems. So <laughs> That's still two poems and we're only at the start of March. That's mm. pretty good. That's one a month so far. Yeah, it's it's interesting what you're saying about feedback because you were mentioning that earlier that it is sometimes difficult to get feedback when you're uh, a poet because if if you're surrounded by people who love love you as a person and love what you do generally, maybe it's difficult for them to give you like honest feedback when you do mess up, you know, when you do write something that's not great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I also think. you know, whether you're around friends or not, like at an open mic, you know, I think it's as they should be. It should be really welcoming, inclusive, like supportive spaces. And uh, I guess sometimes, or not sometimes, all the time, it's really unclear whether or not people want constructive feedback or if you'd even want to give it. Like I'm not necessarily listening to people at an open mic with that constructive feedback in mind. We're just there to like, support people and take it in yeah it would be nice to maybe have a more regular group uh maybe an open mic of some sort where yeah that kind of is invited mm. uh, what, what do you think about that sorry I'm asking you the questions now oh uh, you're interviewing okay <laughs> well I feel like I have different experience to you because um I haven't done a lot of open mics so open mics are really like a great feedback source for me Mm. you hear the reactions of people and usually it's positive and it's it's, um encouraging you know compared to just doing your own poems and sharing to a couple friends and stuff like this but yeah it'd be great to have some kind of workshop you know um in that sense but specifically for critical feedback maybe among yeah like contemporary poets like people that are doing the same thing as you yeah because some stuff that I submit for like publication sometimes doesn't go through but Mm. then are you why because Mm. I think they they just uh, answer to the people that they want yeah and we could have like a community in that sense yeah I think it would be really useful because it is it's just difficult to set up those relationships like I swear there's positive as well as like oh how can how can we improve for next time mm-hmm. you do just want to support people in their creative expression I, I find I found um giving feedback really difficult at first because whether you know the person or not it's just like no that's great I liked what you were doing with that cool mm-hmm. like maybe I mean if I wrote about the same thing it would be different because we're different people so hard to know where to place your opinion sometimes yeah maybe Maybe you should start that, Lulu. Maybe you should start a group. <laughs> well, I'm actually thinking um, there has been a WhatsApp group created like three days ago. Have wow. you? It's called no. In the Margins, and uh, it's uh, just a, a poet uh, in Brighton called Shonin who kind of wanted to bring people together, all the poets from Brighton together. And now we have a group of like 13 people, so I definitely add you to it. Wow. Yeah. It's like the stars are aligning, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe we could do that in that group, you know? Because yeah. everyone's creating, so it is all supportive. Because the only kind of really critical feedback I ever received was um, 
when I was a really young teenager and I started putting my little collection together and I sent, uh, sent it to a friend uh, who's very harsh and then mm. it really demotivated me to write <laughs> so I had to recover from that <laughs> Cause oh wow how old were you then? I was like 14 <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you didn't start writing poetry until you were 27 or so right? yeah <laughs> yeah no, that's, that's true yeah you kind of uh I've already had the world batter me <laughs> um mm. but yeah I, I don't think I could have been quite so brave as to share like my own work at, not that I was writing but you know to share something so big of yourself at 14 um I definitely didn't have the courage to which is probably why I didn't start writing until I was 27 actually mm. or at least sharing and, and writing do you feel like the 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 age you were at allowed you to be more vulnerable because I think like I suddenly feel that being vulnerable is hard all the time yeah being vulnerable is hard all the time it's definitely like a, a superpower um I feel definitely like my age has come into it a bit because I'm further ahead in like my own recovery from trauma and mental health differences um and even though that journey is still like a bumpy road you know there's enough distance between me and some things that have happened in my life that I feel more able to write about them and then more able to share those words with other people um I think if I was writing in my early 20s I don't think I'd be sharing what I'd written. I, th- I think it would have to be a very like personal thing because still very close to your heart. Like, um, I think you've heard this poem, Lulu, but I wrote a poem about um, what it feels like to survive uh, sexual abuse. And I, I wrote it for um, the Survivors Network for I think their 30th anniversary in uh, 2020. And they didn't ask me to like write in particular or to write about my own experience or anything. That was my own choice. But I knew that it would be shared on social media. I just then didn't think until I'd uploaded it, like, or actually, I don't know how I feel about Mm. that being on the internet. And it didn't go into anything in great detail, but it was obviously a big thing to share about myself, even if I'd already shared, you know, you know associating yourself with certain groups you kind of share that you've had an experience but you don't write a two-minute poem on it and uh, I went into like quite a dark and reclusive place afterwards because it was clearly it was too soon to share it um and I have done again since I think maybe when I saw you it was at words by the water that I shared it in real life again for the first time Again, for the first time, my words aren't coming out loud today. <laughs> um, and yeah, I performed it in real life. And it I felt my heart coming up in my throat. But it was a different experience to when I shared it online. How and when I've shared it since, it's felt much easier. I'm clearly in a different place with it now. It's some true, true expression rather than just a recitation. That's really interesting. Mm. Do you think there is a difference between sharing online and, you know, this this with this question of feedback 
of having it out there and not knowing who's going to hear it and sharing in a space that can be like kind of a safe space where everyone is sharing something. You get media feedback. Yeah. Um, they, they are completely different spaces in my mind. Like I don't really tend to share much on the internet anymore, really, because I much enjoy the experience of sharing in real life. And I know you can do both, but kind of want people who come and see me to not be able to see everything online. So because I'm very much an all or nothing person, I'm now uploading nothing online. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's also the really amazing thing about the internet is that people who you couldn't meet in real life can hear your work and you can get amazing feedback from that. So like um, in the summer of 2020, uh, me and my best friend and fellow poet, Pris Nash, uh, wrote a poem together called Wake Up. And um, it was directed and filmed by Sam Parrish Rooks. And the video was very well made, I obviously, because Sam's great at his job. And uh, I could never have done something like that. And so I think the visuals with it as well, going on the internet, made a difference. Um, but the the reach and impact that that has had has been ridiculous you know so much more than any of my other poems um and it's gotten me a lot of opportunities and I've been able to speak to people around the world um because they've seen it you know mm. um so I guess there's obvious positives and negatives to the internet as we probably already knew mm. but I would definitely um, lean more on the sharing in uh, open mic spaces because the community around poetry, as I'm sure you both know, is wonderful and it's been so vital to, um, it feels every aspect of my life in the last three years since I've started sharing. So yeah, I'm here for open mics over internet. (laughs) Yeah, and sorry, okay yeah one aspect of um i think your work compared to maybe other poets is that everything you do is spoken word there's no transcription even um online so i was wondering what it meant for you is it some kind of maybe copyright of i want to have this poem read out this way or performed this way i am a bit of a bit of a control uh freak some might say (laughs) um yeah that is definitely part of it um I've really struggled when I've written um my poems down so last year I had the opportunity to be in uh, an exhibition at the Phoenix art space in Brighton and I shared some poetry videos and others were written on the wall and I really I felt so difficult when I was writing it in the word document of how do I space this because I want it to sound like this and when I've recorded my work in the studio you can see that like it's it's nearly exactly the same each time I use the same inflection to breathe in the same space like I know where it's going because I know the piece and I want it to sound a certain way and yeah when you put it on paper and leave it for someone else to 
speak or hear it. It, it might not sound the same, and I don't like it. <laughs> it sounds also- like songs, but you know, singer songwriters, and it's like you can write the lyrics and publish the lyrics, but you know, the the people can't sing <laughs> necessarily but- the way you would sing it, the way you would perform it. And what yeah. makes the song is not the lyrics; is everything that goes with it. That's it. That's it. It's the whole experience, and also. Like I decided to do to have a go at spoken word when I was twenty seven because when I was really young I wanted to be a rapper I just didn't think that I could for an, a, a number of reasons really and so for me it has always been about like not just the speaking of it but the sharing of it like that's been the main part I, you know when I was twenty seven so yeah like um. New Year 2018 or 2019? I think it, you said 2019. Yes. In the interview. Oh, you're so good, Lulu. My brain gets <laughs> so scattered sometimes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, January 2019. Um, I just decided it's kind of a New Year's, not resolution, but like a goal for myself. I thought it would be good for me to write a poem about something I've experienced and share it and just see how that felt. And it was really great. So I just kept on going. So even the point of writing it was to share it and speak it. So I haven't come away from that, really. I would really like to um, publish some written work and have a collection and have my work more accessible in that way as well I just haven't gotten around to it just yet mm. it led you very far from a uh, challenge uh, for a new year to what what your work is now it's it's a bit bananas really isn't it like I think I'm glad that I stuck with that intuition because it's given me so much mm. and like if we'd have chatted in 2017 and you'd have asked me, do you like poetry? I'd be like, nah, not my bag, mate. <laughs> don't like it. <laughs> Boring. Um, because my experience of school, um, it felt like I only really saw one kind of poetry. And that was a very white kind of poetry that was often about the war or hmm. fields. Like either war, which feels... I couldn't find the words at the time when I was at school as to why that felt uncomfortable, but I understand it a bit more now. Like it feels very colonial and often rooted in systems of oppression. I'm not about it. Don't like war. And I found other poems about like fields and flowers and stuff really boring. <laughs> I didn't uh, come across the kind of poetry that I get to hear in Brighton and that I see um on social media with other people that I've met around the country and mm. around the world like there's people talking about their often very real very raw lived experiences and a real opportunity to share and build connection mm. like yeah my life has has grown so much and I've been filled with um so many precious moments through poetry and other poets yeah, changed my life. Great <laughs> New Year's resolution. <laughs> yeah. Do you think uh, it's why people relate to rap and hip hop perhaps more 
more relatable issues it's more less pretentious maybe more immediate exactly yeah i i agree even though i guess wrongly a lot of the time like rapping hip-hop or uk grime and drill particularly at the moment is a prime example of how um those genres are often accused of maybe speaking about negativity too much or um violence or things that aren't positive not putting positive messages into the world when really it's people's way of documenting their own histories and experiences Mm. that maybe some people maybe write about uh doing things they haven't done just for clout but Mm. in general it's uh, another way of expressing um voices that are typically oppressed Mm. and that's what I love about spoken word we all get a voice so uh, kind of like a technical question I suppose is uh, what's the difference for you between when you were doing rapping and when you were doing spoken word poetry is there any difference in uh, like the accent you use the the way you cut words off or shape words or pronunciation of words is there any difference at all um I don't think so um it's for me the only difference is the the writing pattern so I'd stick with the typical like four beats and four bars that's a stanza four of those that's 16 and as long as it fits in that it's fine um but I don't think I don't know I don't think I sound different but maybe I do because there's also a different energy behind it or that I've noticed I feel more um anxious when I'm performing and I'm I guess I am rapping it feels weird to say I'm rapping now because it's like a dream come true (laughs) (laughs) um little me is like screaming and flailing their arms around right now yeah. so happy um but yeah when I've performed with a band and I've written to a beat I feel more anxious because I need to keep up so I think maybe that tension like does come across in the way that I've written and the way that I perform it it's just maybe feels a bit more on edge because I'm more on edge there's no time to like pause otherwise I'll, I'll mess it up yeah, that's. I mean, of course, that you've hit upon the key difference there is that there's no music when you're doing spoken word, right? For the well, most. typically, typically, yeah. yeah. I would really like to write to like a soundscapey kind of thing as well, and not. Um, that would be so great. Oh, yeah. yeah, like not feel so caught by the beat or something really jazzy. Are you just like you take your already. Um, your already written pieces and then perform like with a live band and just see what comes up like mm. improvising off each other I'd quite like to give that a go too just yeah I would love to do that on some lo-fi beats actually <laughs> yeah yeah I very much agree with you there Lily um, and when you write a poem I was wondering how do you balance kind of the spontaneity of words that is kind of trivial and the, the lyrical aspect of writing a poem? Hmm. I, um, I really like using Rhyme Zone. Do you know Rhyme Zone? No. So it's like, um, if you type it into your uh, internet browser, 
it'll pop up. Um, but it's like it's a rhyming site. So if you type in a word, it will show you words that rhyme with it. You can choose an option for it to show you near rhymes. Um, it can show you synonyms so that like but if the rhymes aren't quite working, see if you can pick a different one. Um, and I I like using that to get inspiration of where I might go to next, even if I don't necessarily go with the word I thought I was going to go with. That is such a useful <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I really thought I was cheating for a long time by using Rhyme Zone. But the more people I talk to, people tend to – a lot of people use rhyming sites and other helpful tools like it's really difficult to have the whole dictionary at your fingertips and shouldn't expect yourself to yeah okay. we should kind of we should kind of break the gatekeeping of poetry and rap right from what yeah I'm... yeah I, I just think because I think rhyme I think my um I concentrate a lot on rhyming um and maybe it not being in such like a typical structure, but I I also like fitting in those predictable rhymes. You know, when you're listening to something and you know it's gonna rhyme next, I still like to, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I like rhyming and so it's a really useful website. I was trying to bring myself back to your question and I can't quite remember what it was. It was balancing the, the triviality of uh, everyday words and the lyrical aspect of poetry. Oh, so so you mean kind of like common words and more kind of poet, poetic words, more literary words. Yeah. Okay, I was getting there then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was such a beautifully worded question. I just went on a whole ramble. Um, but yeah, I think Rhyme Zone is a really good website to use to even then if you want to put in a synonym or just to see if like this really fluffy word rhymes with something else or um sometimes even putting definitions into your poetry as well like if you want to use a, a turn of phrase or a word that you think or maybe people might not know what I mean you can then tell them what it means there's no <laughs> rules that say you can't yeah. um but I, I guess I also tend to steer away from um, maybe making my poetry too fluffy without meaning to sound insulting in any way. Because um, I guess I write a lot about experiences of racism or mental health. And even though I'm using this as a creative expression, I also like to share my work and have others connect with my work so I don't want it to be too too metaphorical that it could be misinterpreted or that someone might not get it or I might not get them um and I I guess personally I get a bit lost when poems are too metaphorical especially in spoken word because I'm really trying to be like listening to and it's like what you feel like what now? And then I, <laughs> I, I lose the the original point that was meant. But that's me personally, and how I listen to things. So I think, I think sometimes if if words are clear, they can be more hard hitting as well, right? They can hit straight to the point. You know, they can really make yeah. hit the point. Yeah, and also how you use 
um, how you use up time and space. So if you use a big pause, make people mm. reflect on it. Ah, oh, that's oh, that's what you mean. Mm. Um, I guess I, I do do that in my work as well, thinking about a couple of points where I have been metaphorical. I then pause. So mm. I want people to go like, oh, if one person gets it and goes, oh, then other people start to cotton on. <laughs> Mm. that meant something oh it meant this you know I mm. think there's definitely an acting part to spoken word right mm. definitely yeah performative yeah. but in that sense of yeah perform I guess <laughs> yeah it has felt weird at times actually like calling it a performance even though it is a performance mm. I then because my poetry and like activism feel so closely linked I've then had my own internal battle about feeling like I'm performing you know what I mean Mm. even though as we were saying earlier it feels like my poems are like scripted because I I know where I'm gonna use a certain inflection or where I'm gonna pause or you know Mm. what do you think about the term performance when you're sharing something that is real and you don't want it to be performative using air quotes yeah I mean uh, an aspect of performing I guess is like a good actor is improvising on the text that is given to them mm. right and um, I do see that in your in your spoken words much more than when I read out a poem because I do the opposite way I read it I mean, I write it to be read and then mm. read it out. But I don't necessarily think so far about the intonation and this kind of thing. And I don't know them by heart like you do because I've got a terrible memory. <laughs> and that's why I stopped acting. <laughs> you know? um, so I definitely see more that acting aspect in your spoken word, but in a great way. And... Mm. Because in the way you know them so well that you can find again what's true and what's spontaneous. Ah, oh, thanks. thanks. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a nice way of putting that. Thank you. Yeah, I it's see the, that. It's, um, are, are you worried that if something's too polished that it's going to be inauthentic? You know, like the emotion's not going to be real or it's not going to come across as real? Um, I guess not even how polished it is necessarily, but that idea, I don't know, because I, my poetry became more popular from speaking and sharing at protests. Mm-hmm. And so it then feels a certain way, I guess, to go from an activist space to being paid to speak mm-hmm. and do the same thing not not in a uh, purposefully activist space but a lot of creative spaces are uh are activist spaces I would say um I don't know it then adds to the feeling of it being a performance you know so I'm just letting you in on like some of my deepest uh internal conflicts (laughs) um I think it's I think it's key to the to the heart of artists in general you know like making peace with with that and also you know when making money from your work as well making a living from your work it's part of it being sustainable i think mm. you know 
yeah and like I support all of my friends in that it just feels strange for for me I think maybe this is something I will talk about in therapy (laughs) (laughs) is there a poem you want to read us out or perform (laughs) ah I wasn't expecting this what surprise um (laughs) do, do you do you have do you have one that you want me to do? I had in mind uh, your latest poem that you shared uh, with the video Compost. Ah, yeah. It's actually quite an old one. It's one of the first ones I write. It just got to do a video recently with um, QM. So yeah. It's, it's the newest that you shared, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When when I listened to you at Words by the Water, this one definitely stuck to me, that line, um, uh, they wanted us to bury in shit, but they didn't know we were seeds. That was yeah. That you, was it. We, you wrote it on the chalkboard. I wrote it on it. the chalkboard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're so I sweet. I <laughs> I think when I first put it online, I did reference that. Uh, that's not really my original quote. You know, it's it's got origins in several different cultures, it seems. Um, but you know, they tried to bury us. They didn't know yeah. we were seeds. I added in shit, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, that that's where the whole inspiration from the poem came from. That like, it's, oh, it's you're crazy. actually, yeah, that like, you're actually burying me in uh, something that's given me great sustenance and great motivation to keep going. So not only am I a seed, but you're helping me on my growing mission. Mm-hmm. Um, by giving me more to grow from, I guess. Um, anyway, I'll share the poem. This is called Compost. Over the years, so many people have shat all over me. Empty out your wheelbarrow full of dirt. No need to feel guilty. Your discomfort matters more than my hurt. That's what I learned. I sunk. I stunk, I dwelled and withheld, I laid down and accepted. They tried to sap my joy, yet here I stand dripping with sap. I support myself, I am nourished, encouraged, cultivated and demonstrated that I am growth personified. I am strong enough to feed young minds the fruits of my heart and soul because now I am fertilized. Some people don't know what to do with their trauma. Some people don't know what to do with their shit. Reject it, neglect it, smother others with it, deflect it, redirect it, bury it, then resurrect it. Shit, we feed our loved ones to our wolves, then act surprised when we get bit. And that's why we shouldn't forget the concept of composting. So keep hold of your shit and shove it in a purpose-built bin. It needs tending to every so often. You can't just shove it in a dark place and hope it sorts itself out. But eventually you'll see your shit turned into something you need. Today I stand before you feeling grounded and tall as a tree, in a way thankful for the shit others threw at me. And don't use my words to excuse because it doesn't make it okay. But eventually we grow strong and tall enough to see the positive in every day. So bid farewell to the folk who have hurt you and to those refusing to meet your needs. They tried to bury us in their ship, but they didn't know we were seeds. Thanks. Wonderful. Tell my what reaction. Awesome. <laughs> I just yeah, I just 
I'm I'm feeling that 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 uh, the hip hop influence that I'm hearing that the wordplay. Do you want to maybe give us a little bit of the context of writing this poem? Uh, yeah. So I guess that that phrase, um, they tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. Um, was the kind of prompt I took. Um, yeah, I've had a lot of stuff happen in life where feels like other people's crap gets put onto you like their projection of their own trauma or hurt people hurt people you know it's not to make an excuse um for their behavior but I definitely felt like I got overloaded with a lot of crap from other people throughout my life in various relationships and situations and um it's not to say that any of it was worth it or okay but that those bad experiences are actually the things that have shaped me the most and given me the qualities I'm most proud of um but that's because of my hard work not them it's I churned the compost I tended to it with help from others and community and friends you know um but yeah just kind of leaving people with the message I guess that shit can happen but it can get better it's not to say that that makes it fine, but you have the you can be empowered to make the change. I don't know. <laughs> mm. Definitely. Uh, what is what is the Knights of Afflo? The Knights of Afflo. The Knights of Afflo. Yeah, the Knights of Afflo. I've written down here notes from the article. Some kind of event or is it? Book. Oh, Afflo and the poets. Yeah, I was like, the Knights of Aflo, what's that? That's the new term now. <laughs> yeah, no, I might be taking that on for like the after parties, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, I revise my question. What's uh, Aflo and the Poets? Um, so, Aflo and the Poets is kind of my, I like to call it my ever growing collective. Um, not that it's really a collective, but because it's taken a few different forms. So uh, it first started um, on Latest TV. Latest TV offered to do a little TV show with me, um, asked what I would want to do. And I was like, it would be really cool to bring on local black artists, like poets and other performers, um, other creative people um, based in Brighton to showcase their work. So did a short series of that. It's available on my YouTube channel if you'd like to watch. Um, and from that, was then offered an opportunity at the Dome uh, to perform. And I was like, I can't perform at the Dome by myself. <laughs> so... Uh, Imposter syndrome. <laughs> well, it was with, like, bands and, you know, real... Perf- <laughs> oh, God, I nearly said real performers. That's not what I meant. Yeah, imposter syndrome. <laughs> You call it when you see it, Lulu. Yeah, well, it was going to be with bands and singers, and I felt I would like to share this space to uh, amplify the poetic community, you know? So, yeah, uh, then another version of Afro and the Poets was created. And then through QM Records, uh, they offered to help me put together some nights where I curate the artists, and um, I pick black artists 
uh, because doesn't feel like there's enough representation in Brighton even though there's so many creative black folks here um so that's the main focus and often um black women and black trans and non-binary people um yes so we've had two Aflo and the Poets in Brighton so far one in London uh one at the Green Door store one at the Unitarian Church and uh one just last month uh, at, oh, the name has just escaped me, the Old Blue Last uh, in Shoreditch, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, and there is another Aflo and the Poets coming up on the 18th of March. Um, a couple of days before that, I'm going to be turning 30. Woo. So it's not only like kind of the third birthday of me doing poetry, but also my third decade <laughs> on this earth um so yeah if you're available please grab a ticket um it's at the unitarian church again in the center of brighton and it's going to be brilliant going to be performing with pris nash and erin james and frankie jean and miri flc it's going to be excellent it's going to be a great birthday party great. and where, where can we get tickets for that um you can get them on dice i will shortly be putting the link in my bio thingy me what's it so <laughs> if you find me on socials um at aflo.thepoet you'll be able to find it there but it's also in um qm records bio and they are at qm records um they have loads of brilliant events on um around brighton and in london um and another amazing brighton black owned business to support so yeah we check them out this is amazing i think it's a great way to wrap this podcast up we definitely see us both and for any listener um come join us come to aflo and the poets on yay the march yeah <laughs> celebrate. <Yay. laughs> celebrate your birthday slash anniversary <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to bring presents. Thanks for listening to another episode of Poetry to Your Ears podcast. Um, this was really delightful to be have the chance to talk to Aflo. Thank you so much. You can listen to um, more of her work on uh, her YouTube channel, Afro the Poet, and her Instagram as well, Afro the Poet, Afro dot the Poet. And please follow us on our socials as well. We have an Instagram and we also have a Twitter. It's Poetry 2 with a 2, the number to your ears. And um, give us any feedback, we'd be delighted. And see you next time. Bye.